Cafe at Artichoke Music. It's OMN's Coffee Shop Conversations. This time with me here is pianist composer Greg Goebel, known for his virtuosity as well as his versatility. We'll get into that. And at the end of our conversation, we'll hear one of his compositions. He'll also talk to us about that and his work with Chris Brown and how some jazz takes on some popular tunes fits into what he does. That synthesis is part of the history of jazz, and it hasn't stopped. Nor has Mr. Goel, nor have we. Upcoming Coffee Shop Conversations will feature John Averill, founder of March 4th. Also coming up is Chris Doss, the executive director of PDX Jazz, to fill us in on this year's Portland Jazz Festival. Right now, meet Greg Goebel. Artichoke Cafe, Greg. Hey, how's it going? Who knows? That's a <laughs> that's a complicated question. It is now. It's like it's like when you ask people how how they are, and then they tell you. <laughs> Sometimes you don't want to know. <laughs> you don't want to know. Don't don't <laughs> ask the question then if you don't want to know. <laughs> it's been a long time. It has been. I don't know why. I don't Who know. Knows? Portland's Isn't a small weird? town. It seems like our paths don't cross very often. I know. I know. I remember the one of the last times I saw you, you gave me something to play on the radio. That was probably a long time ago, yeah. It was a long time ago. <laughs> well, actually, I wasn't doing a soul music show. I was, I was playing jazz yeah. on KMHD. And it was a, it was a tune that was, it was, had been a hit. It was a, like a pop hit. Okay. That you had transformed. Okay, yeah. And you're still doing that, aren't you? I, we are still doing that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, a fair amount. <laughs> probably more than when I gave that to you. Really? Probably so. Why do you think that is? Uh, I don't know. I mean, with... Um, with Christopher Brown's band, which we play every week, we've got a whole book of tunes where we kind of transform 70s and 80s rock tunes mm-hmm. and deconstruct them and build them back up for a jazz quartet. Huh. We've been doing that for years, so the book yeah. keeps getting bigger and yeah. keep contributing to that, which is wow. fun. Huh. Like, for instance? For instance, we've got, uh, you know, some Journey, Bon Jovi, <laughs> uh, Stevie Wonder, which is really yeah. easy because his songs are so... You don't need to change those very much. <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> yeah. But it's really fun. I think people enjoy it because um, they recognize the songs, uh-huh. but then they have uh, kind of a New York jazz sensibility to the arrangements. Uh-huh. How do you change them? What do you do? Well, um, you can change them in harmonic ways. Uh-huh. Just a simple reharmonization of the melody can uh-huh. breathe some new life into a song that may otherwise be simple or simplistic possibly or uh with a with tunes like a stevie wonder tune which is definitely not simplistic or (laughs) simple maybe you don't change it that that much you just put a new rhythmic spin on it or Uh uh, Uh something like that yeah now you gave me a bunch of tunes to look at was it too much (laughs) no not at all i enjoyed it i really enjoyed it and one of them was pure imagination which fits into the category we're talking about yeah and that's by who who was that by i don't know it's from willy wonka it's from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> you know, you caught me off guard. I don't remember who. Anthony Newley and Leslie Berkuse. Okay. But from the, yeah, from the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory movie. And you did all the, all the production on this, didn't you? I did all the production on that. Uh, so that's kind of, that's definitely not a jazz. No. A jazz uh, song or jazz arrangement. Some people call that trailerizing a song. I don't know if you've heard <laughs> that term. Actually, I have not heard that term. So. If you've seen, uh, you take a, a song like Pure Imagination uh-huh. and uh, make it kind of dark as if it's a movie trailer, very cinematic. Ah. And so that's kind of the spin on that one. Uh-huh. And plus the, the video kind of contributes to that as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. How long have you been making your own videos? Video production, 
uh, you know, I maybe got started having fun with that maybe six or seven years ago. Uh-huh. I'm not a professional by any means, but I enjoy doing it. Yeah. And it's fun. I remember making, uh, me and a friend of mine used to make some kind of funny videos in college with a Hi8 camera. <laughs> I edited it with two VCRs because that's the only way I could do it at the time. Very low budget. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so it was kind of fun. <laughs> that's great. So, uh, so you're 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 in Chris Brown's band. Is it Chris Brown's Chris Brown's band, or is it your band? No, it's Chris Brown's band. Okay, um, but we've been playing together uh, for 20 years now. Wow. Me and Chris. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Was he still in the army when you when, when he when was you, still in the Marines? In yeah. The Marines? And he still yeah. lived in New York at the time. Jeez. So when I first met him, he came to town and uh, he had booked a gig at the old Blue Monk. On Belmont. The Blue Monk. Do you remember that place? Those Boston sure Red Sox fans, owners. <laughs> those owners used to give me so much shit <laughs> because I was an Orioles fan, and the Orioles oh. sucked at that time, and the Red Sox were winning the World Series. And they were merciless, especially when they were drunk. <laughs> <laughs> so we had a gig scheduled there. Well, Chris had a gig scheduled there, and uh, his piano player uh, bailed on him kind of at the last minute. Wow. And so Chris sent me the music. He guys uh, got my name from somebody in town, and uh, we had an instant rapport, huh. and we've been playing together ever since. That was how does, years ago. How does that work? Do you know that the, the like the, the dynamics of how how that works when you 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 click with someone? Is it like falling in love? <laughs> I well, guess really, it, I guess it's maybe similar to that. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, I think part part of it for us was that our our shared our our history of our listening. Uh, uh-huh was shared even though we didn't know each other we're roughly the same age about a year apart and we happened to kind of learn to play jazz listening to similar records or at least a lot of overlap like for what what, for instance uh i think especially from chris's point of view like a lot of the uh the 80s like winton and branford Uh marsalis stuff Uh kenny Uh kirkland kenny kenny garrett Mm -hmm. stuff like that we both got heavy into that music Huh. Not knowing each other at the time, I got into that in high school. And same thing with him. Yeah, I still love that stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's not smooth jazz, though. Definitely not smooth jazz. <laughs> no, no, not smooth jazz. Uh, <laughs> just a tiny bit. <laughs> um, so, and you and you still play with him? We still play. Yeah. Wow. So at the time, because he was still living in New York, I would only see him maybe once or twice a year when he wow. would come back home and yeah, visit. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, he moved back. I don't know what it is now. Uh-huh. Maybe almost 10 years ago he moved back. Uh-huh. And then uh-huh. we started playing together yeah. weekly. At one point we had, I think, four steady gigs a week with that wow. band. That uh, one at the old Jimmy Max. Yeah. Not the old Jimmy Max. The <clears throat> yes. <laughs> Jimmy Max. Not the original Not Jimmy the original Max. Jimmy Max. But the secondary Jimmy Max. The secondary Jimmy Max. Which is now a pile of rubble. Yeah, I know. That's too bad. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's funny. And at that gig that I met Chris at, at the Blue Monk, uh-huh. um, I was still actually living in Eugene at the time, finishing uh-huh. up my degree at the University of Oregon. Uh-huh. And so I came up for the gig, and guess who came down to the gig to just see Chris because he was in town was Ron Steen. And I'd never uh-huh. met Ron. Wow. And I've been playing with Ron ever uh-huh. since uh-huh. that meeting, too. So I guess I've Jeez. been playing with Ron Steen for 20 years now. Wow. Yeah. Wow, it's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, I know they. I, 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 you know, I've I've had some health problems over the past couple of years, and I just miss because I always used to like to go to the, the the jam at Clyde's on Sunday when I when I would see your name. Yeah, because I yeah because I've loved your playing for so long. Well, thanks. 
and uh, and I just never get to. I never get the. I mean, well, you know. So you're still playing the the, the jam? Uh, I haven't played at Clyde's since uh, since everything kind of opened back up. But I play yeah. with Ron at the Monday night jam session, 1905, quite a bit. Ah, nice. And then at uh, nice. Rivadarchi's, I just played with him last week there. Uh huh. So yeah, uh-huh. still love working with Ron. He's awesome. That's great. Yeah, that's great. He always introduces me when when I when I whenever I go to one of the gigs. That's cool. People and people, you know. He's got a, a mind that remembers names yeah. of people from decades. Yeah. I don't know how he does it. He's yeah. the yeah. the jam session master. He is. Yep. Yeah. Jeez. Good for him. I don't think the scene in Portland would be the same without no. Ron being here. No, he's he's kind of the glue. Yeah, he's uh, a huge part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Other people are too, but I put Ron yeah. up on that high level for sure. So, the, you gave me a bunch of a bunch of tunes to listen to, and one was Pure Imagination, and these are pretty diverse. They are. Yeah, um, like the Lock and Key, for instance. What a great band. Yeah, that's a heavy hitting band. You want me to introduce people on the introduce, band? Introduce, ladies, <laughs> I know, ladies right? and gentlemen, Late Greg Noble introducing the band. So. Um, some of that band is the rhythm section from Gino's band, because uh-huh. um, I was out with Gino for you know twelve years. That's so Damien, Damien Erskine on bass. Uh, let's just stop for a second. Okay, I've asked, I've asked a lot of people, what is it about Gino Vanelli? I mean, is it that he's got all, he's got enough money to take the best players in town on tour with him? Because <laughs> he takes the best players in town on tour with him. Well, and that's great. I'm happy to be part of that band. Yeah. Yeah. So I heard I hear, I always heard that he's very meticulous and and, and, and the charts are, are you know must be followed. Well, there were no charts when I joined the band. Oh, really? <laughs> no. Wow. <laughs> there were no charts when I joined wow. the band. Huh. Yeah. And in fact, uh, um when I joined, the bass player was different and the guitar player was different. Uh-huh. And then after I joined, then I think Gino kind of wanted to consolidate stuff and have everybody be in Portland uh-huh. for rehearsal sake and just simplicity yeah. of stuff. Yeah. So then Damien joined, which was great. Erskine. Er- Erskine. And so um, then the rhythm section on that uh, on uh-huh. that lock and key tune is Damien uh-huh. and Reinhardt. Reinhardt, yeah. Because they just kind of fit my concept of what that tune was perfectly. Yes. The way they play. Yes. Uh, jazz stuff but with a uh, very fusion bent to it and they yeah. can play odd meters and yeah well reinhardt's mr odd meter he's amazing yeah <laughs> <laughs> um yeah you know i i don't consider fusion a a a, a, a curse word no i don't need no, all no i mean a lot of people do mm. you know yeah i never did i loved it when yeah. it came out you know and uh, i was a huge mahavishnu fan and of course it all came out of miles it seems like a natural progression for jazz to keep moving forward. Yeah. And for it to go that direction was fine, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that, that lock and key thing is definitely a fusion fusion yeah. tune. Yeah, not a, not absolutely. A, a traditional uh, straight-ahead jazz tune. Uh-uh, no, yeah. that's, 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 it's terrific. And, and uh, uh, John Nastos is... Nastos is on there, and as well as uh, Cameron Morgan on Who guitar. Who is Cameron Morgan? He's a guitar player in town. I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> and who is he? <laughs> well. <laughs> I just don't know anything about him. Yeah. I, um, you know, Cameron does a lot of different things. Very versatile uh-huh. guy. Well, you have to be in Portland. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know who else Cameron works with at the moment. I know he's got his own groups that he does some uh-huh. 
tours with every once in a while, and uh-huh. I think he does some singer-songwriter kind of stuff where really? he sings actually as well. Wow! But uh, he yeah. subbed the he subbed in Gino's band for a couple tours we uh-huh. did, uh-huh. and uh, that's kind of how I got to know him a little better. Likes to, he likes to bend those notes. He does like to bend notes. He does. Oh, who doesn't? <laughs> who you know? doesn't? Yeah. Well, I guess I I can't. Well, without a synthesizer, yeah. you can with a synthesizer. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a lot of gear? Um, probably not as much as um, <clears throat> as some would have. Why? You is know, it? I've got I've got a few synthesizers and an old Rhodes and a uh-huh. and a you know some keyboards and a acoustic piano, but I don't have uh, I don't have just a garage full of yes. vintage <laughs> instruments and keyboards. Sometimes I wish I did just for fun, but uh, I just don't. Yeah. Is there one that you tend to are you drawn to any any particular? Uh, keyboard um Sound. well i endorse nord uh-huh. keyboards and i also endorse dave smith instruments so i guess i should say i'm drawn to those okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah the dave smith instruments are very cool um yeah. analog synthesizers dave smith just passed i think last year huh. he was one of the guys who invented midi uh-huh yeah wow that's pretty cool and his company you ever meet him i'd never met him oh, you know he's just yeah. down in san francisco Huh. Yeah. Huh. So I like their instruments. Um, uh, Nord has a lot of great qualities about reproducing uh, analog keyboards like Rhodes and uh-huh. Whirlies and organs and stuff uh-huh. like that. Uh-huh. And then uh, a lot of the production stuff that I do uh, ends up being a lot of uh, instrument libraries that are in the box or in the computer. Huh. So uh-huh. that ends up being a fair amount of the uh, sounds that I would use like yeah. in that production of Pure Imagination, for instance. Uh-huh. Do you do you sit and play every day? I do. Yeah. yeah. Oh well, yeah. Some days, <laughs> some days if I'm out of town or traveling, no. Yeah. But in general, it? yes. Uh, uh. Sometimes it's practicing. Sometimes it's just playing. Do you? What do you find yourself playing? Um, if I've got some gigs coming up ah. where I need to practice a certain book of music that yeah. maybe I'm not familiar with, yeah. then that's going to be number one mm-hmm. on my list is to get, get that music in my ear, in my fingers, and at least have done my homework mm-hmm. on that stuff. And then after that, if I'm practicing conceptual stuff, it, it might range from uh, maybe it's uh, more vocabulary. Maybe it's transcribing a solo. Maybe mm-hmm. it's playing a, a transcribed solo. Maybe it's practicing playing, playing out different ways to get outside. These are all things uh-huh. I've been working on uh-huh. lately. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, that the uh, the lock and key had uh, had some wonderful outside sections. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I look for that. There's, you know, there's a new uh, art ensemble of Chicago record coming out. I did not know that. I didn't. I mean, I just I just found this out a couple of days ago. It's amazing. I mean, of course. There's only two of them left, mm-hmm. but still, there's still two of them left. Yeah, <laughs> it's cool they're still putting stuff out. Yeah, did you, did you ever see them? No. Oh man, oh man, that was something. That was something. I saw one time uh, Lester Bowie turn his trumpet up straight up so the bell was lit, uh, f- uh, facing the ceiling, mm-hmm. and then pour water in it and play through the water. <laughs> <laughs> I got high with him one time. Yeah, well, all right. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how you remember that story. <laughs> that's, that's, well, I, there's probably other stories I don't remember. <laughs> but that's, you know, that's a, uh, uh, 
Is there still like a stigma attached to playing outside? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. Um, I, was, I guess that just comes from the audience. Maybe, maybe <laughs> so. I mean, maybe so. It's I mean, a joke, I, but not really. A yeah. Joke. I mean, I try not to play to please the audience. Really? No. Yeah. I think you should play music to please yourself. Yeah. Because people yeah. pick up on whether or not you're being honest with what you're trying to create. Right. Right. I mean, there's a time and a place for everything. Yeah. But you you <laughs> but, do you do care about the uh, what, about what the audience is, th- is feeling, don't you? Well, I I hope that they're moved by yeah. Yeah. what I'm playing. Yeah. But if I'm not going to try to change my no. playing in a radical way because right. I think they might like right. it better. Right. Right. Um, I think they could pick up on that. Yeah. I I was under, I interviewed Keith Jarrett one time. Oh. And he's I asked him. Uh, you know what? What do you think people do when they listen to your music? And he says, "I've never thought about that." Yeah, <laughs> I can see that. That's for sure. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> but his music is—you know—it it touches a lot of people. Yeah, I know. And you can see it's—he's just wearing his heart on his sleeve yeah. for every concert. That's, yeah, I mean, yeah. Keith's one of my biggest influences. Is that right? Absolutely. Do you yeah. make noises like that too? I don't think I make noises <laughs> like that. <laughs> but uh, but uh, yeah, he's definitely he was one of my first yeah. influences that really hit home with me. So you were an ECM guy? Love it. Me too. Love it. Me too. Yep. My God, what a time that was back. That was back in well, me might have you were you were too young, I, weren't you? Really, like when in, ECM started in the seventies. In the seventies, yeah. I was yeah. too young, but yeah. uh, I definitely got uh, into that stuff later. Went back, yeah, yeah, to it. Yeah, yeah, I was right there. Every every time there was a new C- ECM, I had to run and get it. Yeah, pretty. Luckily, special. I was on their promo list. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, new Eberhard Weber. I'm yeah. like, who? You know, that's an obscure reference now. Yeah, yeah. it is now. Yeah. But it wasn't then. It was like the the coolest thing. Yeah, I remember. I remember getting uh, looking for new ECM records when they've been coming. When they when you still could go to a CD store right. and buy stuff and buying the right. new Bobo right. Stenson Trio album. And Bobo Stenson. Yeah, yeah just man. loving that stuff. Yeah, I yeah. remember getting to that stuff heavy in college, especially and Ralph Towner. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Boy. Yeah. Speaking of an organ connection. I know. I know. I I, I had a, I did an interview with with uh, uh, with. Uh, uh, Ralph and um, uh, Glenn Moore mm-hmm. and one of the other guys, where they sang the Oregon fight song. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> it was funny. Yeah, it's like a pun. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> um, okay, so um, then there's a tune called "Early Riser." Yeah. Now that's really interesting to me. Because it was, was that your first quarantine collaboration? You know, I don't remember. It seems so advanced in that area. Hmm. Yeah, I don't remember if it was the first one I Mm -hmm. did, but it was definitely when nobody was going out. There were no gigs face to face. Yeah. And so I was looking for some people that I knew could record themselves from their own home studio. And so that tune I wrote and, uh, that's a collaboration with me and John Nastos. Yes. But then I did a lot of lot of multi-tracking with percussion and yeah. clapping and yeah. and stuff. And then had John, I sent him the track and had him play over the top of it. Uh-huh. And uh, it's uh-huh. kind of an interesting track. It's a really interesting track. No bass, just piano and yeah. percussion, basically. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. Uh, soprano saxophone. Yeah. It's terrific. Um, um, 
So have you played that tune together since then? You know, I've thought about wanting to figure out a way to do that. Yeah. Live, maybe with uh, uh-huh. maybe with the, the band that we've got, maybe add a bass and, and percussion. Mm-hmm. So maybe, but we haven't done it yet. I think it would work. Yeah, yeah, but you can't do the percussion. I can't do the percussion, not if I'm <laughs> playing piano. Yeah, yeah. I think there's five or six of me overdubbing percussion on on that one. Ever think of trying it like Skip Von Kuski does and, and, and recording? With a loop pedal? A loop pedal, That yeah. would be cool. Yeah. That would be cool. Yeah, I've got a loop pedal. And I should bring it out and <laughs> bring my percussion out. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, are you playing with anybody else these days? Yeah, um, I'm playing with, uh, in Michael Rayner's quartet. We play, really? you know, once or twice a month, the uh-huh. 1905. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, we play every Wednesday with Chris's band. Yeah. Um, I play with Ron Steen a handful of times uh-huh. every month. Yeah. And then other kinds of pickup gigs as they come along. Uh-huh. This weekend I'm playing down in Eugene for the Oregon Jazz Festival, supporting the, nice. the guest artists that's down there. Nice. And then uh, some top 40 gigs sprinkled throughout the year. Come on. Yeah. Where you play what? Top 40 music, anything from, from which era? Earth, Wind, and Fire to ah, Justin Timberlake to really? Dua Lipa to Stevie Wonder. Wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Some of it's really fun. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. So you, you've got to keep up with that stuff. Yeah. For, I mean, to a, to a degree. Yeah. I don't, I don't tend to listen to uh, pop radio very mm-hmm. much mm-hmm. so unless i'm preparing the song for the gig sometimes i've never heard it before because <laughs> i don't tend to keep that stuff yeah. i don't tend to keep up on that stuff yeah. very much yeah yeah so <laughs> i understand but, yeah <laughs> well that's interesting um okay uh oh oh yeah 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 i still think about you right yeah now, that's way different than the other ones. Way different because it's a, uh, what is it? That's like a kind of a throwback to some 80s synth wave kind of sounds. Yeah. And I grew up with that kind of music being on every movie you'd watch. And and so it holds kind of a nostalgic place for me. Uh-huh. And so I thought I'd write a song in that genre uh-huh. and with lyrics and everything and then produce the whole thing and... I hired a singer to sing it and then did the little uh-huh. video. I think it came out uh, pretty well. It's a great, great, it's a great song. I, I had never heard C.J. Mickens before. Yeah, he's a nice singer, especially in that uh, oh, kind of like pop genre. Well, he was perfect yeah. for that tune. Yeah, he's a really you good know? fit. Yeah. And um, uh, are those your friends or actors? Oh, <laughs> or all both. the other th- on the video? Yeah. <laughs> That's all like stock footage. Is it? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with the exception of the shots of CJ. It's ah. all stock footage. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> Just playing around with uh yeah. video creation. Yeah. Which yeah. is which is fun. But uh Yeah, I yeah. mean it sounds like something I I might play on on, on my my soul music show. Cool. You know. Yeah, well, I'm happy to you send know. you a version. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sure, that'd be fine. Um because uh, now, were you ever you were you ever into that into soul music in in, in that period? In what period? Uh, a period that that that. Um, oh, like the eighties or? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that, I was that, that song recalls. I mean, I think it was more just because I was I was young and. Yeah, in the eighties, I was you know right five six years old. Yeah, so it's more of kind of a nostalgic 
uh-huh. thing from uh-huh. seeing movies yeah. oh, and got, things gotcha. than gotcha. actual uh, actual bands. Uh-huh. So, uh-huh. yeah. Uh-huh. My parents didn't listen to a lot of music like really? that. They really? they were more into stuff like Bob Dylan and the Stones, which uh-huh. is great too, uh-huh. but less so the soul side of the stuff. Huh, interesting. So what kind of stuff did you start playing when you first started playing? Well, I mean, I started playing when I was really young, just typical little kid piano lessons. Uh-huh. Fortunately, my teacher was really good with young kids and kept it uh, interesting and fun uh-huh. instead of, you know, slapping your wrist with a ruler if you didn't know <laughs> all your major scales. <laughs> so that was great. And then um, I kind of grew out of her fairly fast. And then we moved to Eugene, which is uh-huh. where I went to school and... I didn't really have a teacher for a while and I learned how to play. I started uh, getting into jazz in high school and kind of just learned how to play on my own with my peer group. Wow. I didn't have a teacher at the time. Jeez. And uh, we would go to the record store, the record store, like vinyl. Yes. Because I didn't have any money. So you'd go through the used bin and pick up some $2 records and start checking stuff out. And I didn't know really what I was listening to. My head was completely Uh underwater. Uh, as a freshman in high school. Right. And so we were just kind of listening to records together and figuring uh-huh. out what was going on. Uh-huh. I remember we we were preparing something. We formed our own little jazz quartet uh-huh. at the high school because there was no direction for a smaller group. Right. And did, you had, have a, did it have a name? I don't remember if it had a name <laughs> other than just the school quartet. <laughs> Pretty boring. But we transcribed Caravan off of a record that we got and because it was out of tune because it was on vinyl. Yeah. So we entered into this jazz festival as freshmen in high school. We played caravan and F sharp minor. (laughs) And I remember thinking like, Oh man, this tunes, this tunes pretty tough. (laughs) Not realizing (laughs) that it was just out of tune (laughs) in the wrong key. But that was kind of, kind of a cool way to learn. I think now looking back, Uh because that's really how people, used to learn there was uh-huh. no jazz education right. there were no schools for that right. stuff you just right. kind of learn by listening to other players and trying mm-hmm. stuff out and yeah. making mistakes and coming back and yeah. listening again yeah. so so you could read music then i could read music yeah okay because i grew up in a you know a classical tradition yeah. of learning how to how to play yeah so yeah. i could read music yeah well, that gave you sure gave you a leg up. I think it's an important skill to have. It doesn't mean it doesn't make gonna, it's not going to make you a better musician. Really? I don't think so, but it can certainly make you more versatile. Huh. As far as getting hired, I know musicians in town who don't read a lick, but man, they sound great. Huh. That's interesting. I wonder what wonder what your your music would have been like if you'd never learned to read. Yeah, that's interesting too. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I would hope it would still be good. <laughs> <laughs> well, the inspiration's there. Yeah. 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 Um, and, um, oh, right. Country Life is also real interesting. Another tune. Country yeah, that's Life. one of John's tunes. Yeah. Yeah. So we did that together. Uh, I put together the production on that, but he wrote the song. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, pretty simple little tune. Uh, I added a little bit of drums on it at the end of the day. Did you? I'm not a I'm not a drummer per se, but uh, I've got a drum set in my little studio, so that's what I threw down at the end. <laughs> that, that, that's what George Colligan said. 
Oh, well, George is actually a good drummer. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I'm yeah, just, just I know. kidding. <laughs> yeah, George George is a good drummer and a good piano player. <laughs> and a good bass player and a good trumpet player. I hate guys like that. <laughs> oh, really? What's wrong with, what's wrong with people? Well, stick to one thing, guys. Yeah, I know. I'm, trying to, I'm still trying to get good at one instrument. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're plenty good. Plenty good. Listen, it's been it's been great to talk to you um, because I, and, and I, I, I for some reason I always miss you. I mean, I never get to see you. Right. Well, you know. I'm at the 1905 every Wednesday. There you go. And on, there on some Thursdays and sprinkled other days, and then at the other handful of places around Portland that uh-huh. have uh-huh. live jazz. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah. It, what can you can, can you compare the um, uh, the the scene as far as being able to work uh, uh, now to you know, say fifteen years ago, I think it's much more difficult now. Yeah, the lack of venues. Yeah, makes it harder. I think. Yeah, um, and then I think if you talk to somebody like like Ron Steen, who's been here for his whole right. life, yeah, there was that real golden era where there was probably well you probably know this there's might have been right. 20 or 30 jazz places to play right. and so to see that go down to one bona fide place and right. then a handful of other places that have it yeah off and on yeah yeah, yeah. it's just yeah. it's just harder but i don't think i don't think portland's unique in that sense i think no. a lot of other no. uh cities across the u.s are in the same boat so which is unfortunate but um I'm, I this feel grateful li- to still be to still be working and making a living as a musician. So this that is way. the life we've chosen. It, it is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not always easy. No, never easy. Because no. you know, as far as you know, numbers of venues and stuff. Uh, you know, the, the drop in venues is not good for Oregon music news either. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, there's still a lot of great musicians here, and yeah, they more of them should be working more often. I agree. Sure. Yeah. I agree. Well, okay, I'm going to play something at the end. Can I play Lock and Key? You can. Let let people hear what Lock and Key sounds like. Perfect. Okay. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And as we like to say at the end of these, that's